Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of Cop and Daughter. I'm Cop. And I'm Daughter. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about uh, the Clutter family. Yes. And the murder of the Clutter family that happened in Holcomb, Kansas on November 15th, 1959. Mm -hmm. So this was a long, long time ago. And on first hearing of the Clutter family murders, it may not resonate with you. You may not know what we're, we're getting into, but I think as we, we move through the podcast, you will go, Oh, okay. I am somewhat uh, familiar with the Clutter family. So, uh, would you like to sort of kick us off as to what is it, what happened, uh, all those years ago? What is it? Are we talking about, I should have done the math before we, yeah, turn, I can't do turn, that in my head here. Before we turn the, the, what is the it? microphone. It's 2023. Yeah. So I feel like it's like 1959 was the year. Mm hmm. Yeah. She's, so she's got the scratch pad out and she's literally doing. <laughs> Math on here. Uh, so sixty four years ago. Yeah. So given that it it occurred in November, it would have been so just a little bit over. A little over sixty four years. Yeah. Sixty three years ago. Yeah. So, okay. So what what happened? Um, sixty three years ago. Yes. So on the night of or early morning hours of November fifteenth. 1959. So basically we're talking about a Saturday into a Sunday. Yes. So this, this basically happens, you know, as somebody that has worked in law enforcement and has worked on midnight shift, your shift would have been Saturday into Sunday, into Sunday. And so you would have been saying, I'm working Saturday night. Even if something occurs at two o'clock in the morning, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Saturday, the 14th into, Into, yes. Yeah. So uh, between 12 a.m. and 2 a.m. on November 15th, uh, Richard Hickok and Perry Smith um, broke into the Clutter family household. And the motive behind this um, crime was robbery. Um, Hickok and Smith had been, uh, were they cellmates or just there at the same time? Do you know? I, I don't recall if they were cellmates or not. Um, they certainly knew each other in prison. And uh, for whatever reason, Hickok kind of viewed Perry as somebody that would be like a good partner to carry out crimes. And, yes. and actually, we can even get into that a little. I think there was a reason behind that. Right, but. yeah. There's a s- story that we can go back on. Um, but they had been told um, by a former farmhand of Mr. Clutter, who had also been in prison with them at the time. So that, the farmhand was in prison, the, not yes, Clutter. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Floyd, Floyd Wells was the previous farmhand of Mr. Clutter. Yeah. And he had told Hickok um, that Mr. Clutter had a safe in the house where he kept loads of cash. I think yeah. the number he used was 10000 Yeah. Um, which what's the equivalent? So basically hitting like an inflation calculator, any amount that we talk about in this, uh, in 1959 is worth 10 times as much today. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about $10,000, it'd be like a hundred thousand dollars today. Yes. So, 
that was their motive is they're going to this house to hopefully get the $10,000 and then they were going to go start a new life in Mexico. Um, and part of their mission, more or less, um, they were not going to leave any witnesses. So they had intention of... Yeah, so the, the, there's kind of like this big piece of not just going to rob these people, mm-hmm. but like you said, they're not going to leave any witnesses. So there's kind of this premeditated sense of we're going to kill anybody that we have to kill. Yes. Yeah. So um, they get into the house through an unlocked door um, and wake up the members of the family. And they, they at this time in the house was Herb Clutter, the dad, Bonnie Clutter, his wife, their um, third youngest Nancy Clutter, and then their youngest, Kenyon Clutter. And they have two other daughters um, in the family, but they don't live at, They were often married. Yeah, and, one was married, one was getting married yes. in December. So Yes, so in the house that night were Herb, Bonnie, Nancy, and Kenyon. So they wake up the family. They put Bonnie and Nancy and Kenyon in the second floor bathroom, um, and they take Mr. Clutter down to the second or the first floor of the house and are trying to get him to show them where this safe is. Yeah. He's got an office. And yes. So you would just, I think the, the Wells guy says it's in the office. They're inside the house and they can identify this room that is clearly like his office. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other thing I just want to touch on is, is um, so, so two things I'm going to, I'm going to say here. One uh, their house was unlocked. They yes. didn't have to physically force their way into the house. You can mm-hmm. just, they could just walk in. And like my dad, um, my dad is from, your grandpa mm-hmm. is from Marseilles, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to my aunt and uncle's house and my cousin's house in the 1980s in this small town in Illinois. And they never locked their house. Yeah. Like literally you just didn't lock the door. So not locking your doors in a small town, especially in 1959. Well, and they lived on so many acres of land. They were that, pretty like, remote. Right. Yeah. They weren't going to have close neighbors. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing I'm going to say too is, is, you know, if you or I, so we, so we live in Olathe, Kansas, which will come into play later. If you or I were to leave our doors locked, unlocked, most likely nothing is going to happen. Right. Like I, like I think we could leave our doors unlocked for years on end. Right. And m- more often than not, nobody's Nothing's going to come happen. in that right in the door. So the whole, like if, if you're in Holcomb, Kansas in 1959, I mean, we're talking a town of like 200 people, mm-hmm. which so, I don't know if we had mentioned yet. This Holcomb. Take, yeah. This takes place in Holcomb, Kansas, yeah, Holcomb, which is Kansas. outside of great garden city or Gar- um, is it garden city? Yeah. 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 So, and, and we'll even, there's like, it, so the, the other thing I'm going to say in all this is this was not on the forefront of my list when you and I were talking about um, things that happened in our area. Yeah. And as we've gotten into it, the connections that we have right. with this have just been like, oh my gosh. And not that there's any like great significance in terms of our connections with anybody or anything in this, but um it, it, it there are things to touch on that we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so when I interrupted you, the second thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, this is my hang up as a police officer. So when somebody breaks into your house to commit a crime, that is a burglary. Mm-hmm. So they could be breaking into your house to commit a theft mm-hmm. that equals a burglary. They could be committing, they could be, uh, breaking into your house to commit a sexual assault. That's burglary. They could be breaking into your house to commit murder. That is a burglary. So in Kansas, the mm-hmm. state statute for breaking into somebody's house to commit another crime is called burglary. Okay. So if I just walk into your house, if I just break into your house, I'm trespassing. If I've broken the lock or something like that, it's criminal da- or criminal damage. But if I break into your house and your home, my intent is to commit another crime, then it becomes burglary. And if you are home, it is aggravated burglary. Oh. Robbery in Kansas is if I use a weapon to take something from your person. So if I go into a store and the clerk is behind the counter and I say, give me all the money in the register. And I, whether like I physically point a gun at them Mm -hmm. or I have my finger in my coat and I pointed at you Mm -hmm. and say, give me all the money that you have. That is considered a robbery. Okay. If you are walking down the street and I pull a knife on you and I say, give me your wallet. In Kansas, that is a robbery. Okay. So not that that really probably matters to anybody, but as somebody that's done the job and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing, you learn that we throw the word robbery. And, and I don't mean like I'm not picking on you or mean anything, but we throw right. the word robbery around a lot. Right. And I learned that, no. This would be a burglary. A burglary. Okay. Um, and again, there kind of has to be that intent of committing a secondary crime. So if I just break into your house and sit on your couch and watch TV, that would That's be trespassing. trespassing. Okay. But if I commit another crime, it becomes uh, burglary. And then if you're home, it becomes aggravated burglary. And then even in robbery, uh, there are degrees of robbery and aggravated robbery. So um, if I disguise myself mm-hmm. during a robbery, that is one of the conditions that moves it to aggravated robbery. So if I go oh. into the store and you can see me, robbery. If I put a mask on, it's aggravated robbery. So, uh, and even as I am saying those things, it may have changed right. since the yeah. last time I did any police report. Um, but I'm cop and she's daughter, so I'm going to add the cop part of all this <laughs> when we talk about... These crimes. Okay, yes. so I interrupted you. Where are we at with the uh, the Clutter family? Yes, so they had taken Mr. Clutter down to his office and were asking him to show him the safe. Mr. Clutter, you know, I don't have a safe. There's no safe here. It was pretty, I think, well-known just by people in the town that, like, Mr. Clutter didn't use cash. He used checks. Yep. So... He was, I mean, telling the truth. There was no yeah. safe in the house. And, and the joke was even sort of like, you know, Clutter p- paid with a check for a $2 haircut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, most of us, uh, you know, it, the world changes over time. But yeah, you would think a $2 haircut in 1959, you pull a couple bucks out of your pocket, you pay for your haircut, yeah. that sort of a thing. Yeah. So, um, so I, th- I think it's at this point, Hickok kind of grows frustrated and takes... Um, Mr. Clutter and his son Kenyon down to the basement and they're gagged and restrained. And then 
Nancy and Bonnie are restrained in their designated rooms. Um, and Hickok takes it upon himself to look around the house for this safe. Um, after spending some time doing that, still no safe is found. They walk away from this with a, um, pair of binoculars, a Zenith portable radio and less than $50 in cash. And again, I'm not, it's still a trivial amount when you talk about four lives being, Mm -hmm. but you're talking about $400 today, $400, $500 today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after Hickok has done his own search of the house, he goes downstairs where Smith is still with Ken- Kenyon and Mr. Clutter, you know, and communicates that there's no safe here. Um, and Smith kind of goes into this fit of rage and proceeds to stab Mr. Clutter in the throat and then shoots him in the head and then... Um, moves basically down the line of the family members. Kenyon was next, then he shot Nancy, and then he shot Bonnie, the mom. Yeah, and and so, um, is is I so is this something that that Perry and Hickok report? Do, do they tell what the order is? Like I don't, I just don't know, and maybe you don't. I know guess I, the, I know. I don't yeah. know that either. So there's, I think there's an element of in all of this. Um, do we know exactly the details? Because even if they did share information about what happened inside that house, um, we don't really know. We mm-hmm. don't know the order. We don't know right. why they did what they did, that sort of a thing. So, okay, so they go through the house and basically execute all four family members, yes. which... I don't care where you live or what year it is. That is absolutely horrific. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that happened yesterday right. in our world in Chicago, I, I don't know. Maybe it did happen in Chicago. I don't know. Yeah. But that's but it, it didn't. It didn't happen. I like as I say that I know it didn't happen because it would be national news. Yeah, it would be yeah. it would be big news if a mom and dad and their two children were shot in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and nobody really knew what the reason what had was. Yes. Yeah. So, so that even now is still kind of a, um, I guess in essence, whether we lock our doors or not, whether we're in small town, Kansas, or we live somewhere, we all go to bed at night, sort of expecting to be safe. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, we have been to different parts of the world. We've been to, um, some of the tougher neighborhoods, uh, or maybe some of these things happen with more frequency. But again, I'm going to argue going to bed at night, you do not expect people to break in and shoot you and your entire family. Right. So this is a. Unless pretty- you're an anxious person who just, <laughs> like me, assumes. <laughs> So, you, so even as you say that, do you think it's a reality? Like, like if you, cause, cause I, even being an anxious person, mm-hmm. even when we can't sleep and even when those worst thoughts come into our mind, I think we can all kind of go to this place of like logic. Yes. Yeah. And in, and if we go to that place of logic where we're like, okay, what is the likelihood of this? I think we would all go, it is more likely with a high percentage than mm-hmm. not that not something bad like this yeah. is not going to happen to right. us. Yes. 
And that that is why it would be news mm-hmm. if it happened tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So you, you basically have this tiny little town in Kansas where four family members are executed in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. All right. So what next? Um, so at this point, Perry and Smith take off mm-hmm. and their goal is to get to Mexico. But what do they do first? Before they go to Mexico. Because um, it ends up being one of the things that gets them caught. Do you remember? They go to Kansas City and do what? They're spending, or they're using checks. Yeah, so basically Hickok yeah. uses his <laughs> own checks and he passes bad checks. Oh, see, I didn't realize they were like his checks. I yeah, they were, they, were they like, were just his, they were okay. his bad checks. Because he knew that they were going to end up going to his parents' house. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, so so he's using his own checks. He's using his own ID, mm-hmm. but he knows that, you know, I'm writing this check, and again, you write it for eighty dollars over what you purchased, and ask them to give you cash, cash back. back. Yep, that's like eight hundred dollars today. Right. Well, you think about eight hundred dollars today. We could easily live for two or three weeks if, like, mm-hmm. if we're on the run. Yeah. Yeah. Putting gas in the hotel. Or putting gas in the hotel, putting gas in the car, <laughs> staying in a hotel, buying meals, you could survive for a few weeks on mm-hmm. $800. And so yeah. I don't know exactly what they had, but he passed quite a few bad checks in mm-hmm. the Kansas City area Yes, before they headed down to Mexico. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you remember, but they make it to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yep. How long are they there? So I don't know if we really know... Um, well, l- l- let me let me back up here. So they commit the crimes in November of um, 1959. They are arrested. Is it April of 1960? I don't know why I have that in my head. Um, well, April is the month that they were executed. Well, they were executed in 1965. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, but in the month of April. So anyway, they, they go on the run for a little bit. Yeah. In... After going to Kansas City and kind of passing on these bad checks, they do go to Mexico uh, for a little bit. And um, Perry has kind of romanticized, Perry Smith has romanticized this idea of Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the way he was brought up. His mm-hmm. dad would, his dad, uh, being that he, they, they did not, they were a poor family. Yeah. Um, part of what they did in Alaska where he grew up was they were panning for gold. Mm-hmm. So his dad was kind of one of these people of like, they didn't, wasn't well, they weren't like educated. They were working class. Mm-hmm. And I think his dad was constantly looking to like strike it rich, the easy score. Yeah. And one of the things that he did with his son, Perry Smith was kind of share these stories of like instant wealth. Like you find mm-hmm. a treasure, you do something. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that, that Perry Smith believed was, is that we, they could find treasure down in Mexico yeah. in the, you know, in the ocean. Um, so regardless of timeline, they end up in Mexico mm-hmm. and I think Perry's kind of okay with being there. Yeah. And I think Dick is like, this is Mexico. Right. This is Mexico in 1959. Like, mm-hmm. There's not much to offer us here. Yeah. So what do they end up doing after they go to Mexico? They make their way out to California, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yep. And um, 
what eventually gets them, well, they get, as they're making their way from Kansas City to Mexico and then Mexico to California, Perry ships these boxes of his, like, memorabilia, basically, from growing up. Yeah. Uh, from Mexico to where they're going in California. To Las Vegas. To Las Vegas. Yep. Okay. So their their ultimate goal is Las Vegas. So he ships all this stuff to Las Vegas. Yes. And it's, I mean, we're talking about like a, a two foot by two foot by two foot box. Mm-hmm. You know, like nothing. A moving box. Yeah. yeah, moving box. Nothing huge, but things that are important to Perry and what he wants to have with him. So he boxes it all up mm-hmm. and ships it off to Las Vegas. Yes. So. So after he retrieves those boxes again, they are pulled over for a traffic violation. And when they get pulled over, the box is identified. And in the box are the boots that left a footprint at the crime scene. Yeah. And so that's how they're able to, I mean, that mixed with identification and things like that from the bad checks. And so I, I, so initially when they are arrested in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas cops do a really, really good job mm-hmm. of arresting them. So they're in a stolen car. Oh yeah. I forgot is, about is, that. Yeah. Is the main thing of, wh- of why they get arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really recall, but I, my, my, my sense is, is that, if Hickok had passed all these bad checks and we're talking about 1959, there would have been some sort of like when they made the arrest for the stolen vehicle and they put him in jail, they're going to learn about this. He's wanted for these stolen checks mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, at that point, the Las Vegas police department does a good job of not even mentioning the fact that these guys are wanted. Mm-hmm. Um for the murder of the the Clutter family. Yeah. 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 Um, so I feel like you might remember this better than I do, but through the like interrogation process with, cause they're arrested on the account of the stolen vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> um, and they start asking them about their whereabouts on these specific dates. Yeah. So, so, so when they get arrested in Vegas for these stolen vehicles, they're contacting the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation, the KBI, Kansas Bureau of Investigation, and really anybody in Finney County that is related to this investigation saying, hey, we've got these guys in custody in Las Vegas. And so they all go, I I, I don't know who all they is. Yeah. I, so Al Dewey is one of the KBI agents. Mm-hmm. I think Al Dewey goes out there. Yeah. Um, and... And when they get there, they kind of they the 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 folks that know that these guys are their suspects for homicide are even kind of like, have we tipped our hand? Like, have we let them know that we know mm-hmm. that they are our prime suspects in this? And mm-hmm. and like I said, Las Vegas did a good job of going, nope, mm-hmm. we hooked them up on a stolen vehicle charge. Yeah. And we contacted you and now it's like balls in your court. Right. You guys do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and, and so, so, so they start interrogating them. Yeah. They start interviewing and they got Hickok in one room they got Perry in another. So it's, it's, it's actually Hickok and Smith. Right. Perry's and then Perry and Dick. So, yeah. so they got Smith in one room, they got Hickok in another room. And as they start interviewing them, what happens? 
you know? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm thinking of what you're thinking, okay. but they say that they were going to Fort Scott yes, to yep, visit yep, Perry's yeah, yeah. sister. Yep. And the police kind of catch them on that because they're like, Perry's sister doesn't live there, never did. Yeah. So what were you actually doing that yeah. night? And that's, I think, when they pull out the boots evidence of like, we've got you. Here's the boot print and yeah. the blood. And Well, and so, so one of the things I think they start with <clears throat> is, so when you're interviewing a suspect, mm-hmm. you don't always share what you know. Mm-hmm. And you lock them into their story. Mm-hmm. And so if... I tell somebody that I have traveled from Kansas City or Olathe, Kansas to Fort Scott, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And I've never ever done that. Okay, well, we can pull up Google today and go, okay, Kansas City to Fort Scott is an hour and a half drive. Right. So they start with the interrogation with them of saying, oh, you went to Fort Scott. How long of a drive is that? How long of a drive is that? Mm-hmm. Well, if I've never done that, I don't know. That, yeah. You can't answer it. And Hickok kind of BSs his way through it. Mm-hmm. And Smith is like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So then the other thing that they ask him is, is well, okay, you get to you get to Fort Scott, Kansas. What did you do when you were in Fort Scott, Kansas? Mm-hmm. It's a Saturday afternoon and they say they went to do you remember what they said they did? Oh, um I do because it was closed, but yeah. So they go to the post office. Oh, yes. So they go to the post office, and and so their story is... That they went to the post office. Yeah, Yeah. we went to the post office. Why did you go to the post office? We're trying to find Smith's sister and her address and where she lives. Mm -hmm. And they give this whole, like, sort of, like, story. And and, and clearly they've done some effort to sort of cover their tracks and have an alibi. So they're both telling similar stories in terms of... Yeah. We went to Fort Scott... But then they get locked into the whole like, well, you say you went and talked to the postmaster in Fort Scott, Kansas on a Saturday, November 14th. Well, post office is closed in Fort Scott on on Saturdays. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so then there's number two. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh yeah. Cause in the, yeah. He's like, there's three things. Yeah. So, okay. So back up a little bit and we talk about them being in, in Las Vegas we told we talk about them getting arrested. We talk about all this kind of stuff and them being on the run. Why do the people that are investigating this even know that Perry Smith and Dick Hickok are potentially suspects in this? And you you talked about it earlier. Who Is, who who rats on them? Oh, um, F- Floyd Wells. Yeah. Yes. So what does Floyd do? He calls the cops and is like, I had had this conversation with Dick about. How I used to work for this guy named Mr. Clutter and he had a safe and Perry or Dick said, we're going to go get that money and there's not going to be any witnesses to tell about it. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this, um, Floyd Wells. And and now that I think back to an earlier conversation that you and I had or at the part of this, our, our, our podcast. So, uh, Dick Hickok and Perry Smith are, uh, cellmates in the Kansas state penitentiary and then when Perry gets out and Dick is still in, he is then in a cell with this Floyd Wells. Mm-hmm. And this Floyd Wells is basically like, yeah, I worked for 
Mr. Clutter. Mr. Clutter, he's got this safe. There's 10,000 in it. And one of the things that um, anybody that's that has done any sort of like um, investigating of people that are in prison, dealing with people in prison, it is fairly common for there to be stories told uh, while you're in prison. Mm-hmm. May be true, may not be true. Um, back to uh, why Hickok picked Smith to be his partner in this crime was that when Smith was in prison with Cock, he bragged about... He beat someone to death. He beat someone to death. Yeah. So Hickok sees Smith as a killer. So if they're going to go do this mm-hmm. crime and they're going to leave no witnesses, Hickok is kind of like, yeah, I'm not a killer. That's not my thing. I'm a hustler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Smith even gives him kudos when they're passing the bad checks and all that kind of stuff right. of, of like how cool he is. Smith is is much more of a hothead uh, than Hickok is. And Hickok is in a cell with Wells, learns about this, and then when he gets out, um, plans kind of a burglary where they will break into the clutter house and take the things. And Hickok decides that's, that he needs somebody like Smith, somebody that's willing right. to um, pull the trigger, so to say, mm-hmm. um, in that in that situation. So the cops are on to them. They get caught in Las Vegas. They're in custody. And as they're interrogating these two guys, uh, who is kind of the first to sort of start talking about or admitting to at least being in the clutter home, being in Holcomb, and that something may have happened. Hulk, or not Holcomb, uh, Hickok. Hickok does, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Smith is kind of like, while they're in the Las Vegas jail, he's pretty... Mm-hmm. Doesn't say much. And, yeah. Yeah. And Hickok does. Mm-hmm. So um, at that point, they end up getting transported back to Kansas. Mm-hmm. And what happens while they're being transported back? So there's, and when we say transported, we're 1959. So they throw uh, into a patrol car or a vehicle, Mm -hmm. uh, separate cars. There's them and then three other people, the driver, two other guys. And what happens on the the drive back to Kansas from Las Vegas? Uh, That's when Perry decides to tell his side of the story. And if I'm remembering correctly, they you know, Hickok and Smith had like said, we're not going to say anything. Mm -hmm. And the people in the car with Smith, they're like, he's singing like a canary. Yeah. And so Smith is like, all right, well, I'm going to tell you what really happened kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, And so Perry gives his account of that night. um, And I don't know how different, I mean, so, so this is where I kind of find like there's kind of this interesting piece uh, dynamic to all of this of like it's to me it's almost like Perry Smith knows who he is and what he is mm-hmm. and doesn't really want to go through with this stuff mm-hmm. like he's he he does not want to be there um maybe a little bit more self aware than Hickok is mm-hmm. but Hickok wants to go and do this uh, 
um, a sure thing, I think is what they call it. It's a sure thing. It's an easy score, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even in that, it's sort of like, I think Hickok is like, I got this guy that I know is going to do what needs to be done. Right. And maybe even Smith is a little bit like, yeah, I'll do it, but I'd rather not even be in that situation. So, mm-hmm. um, did we touch on the fact that there is no safe in the home? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there's no safe in the home. They go out there and for whatever reason, they end up executing all, all four, four of them. Mm-hmm. And in his confession, basically Smith admits to it. He's right. like, yeah, I'm the person that pulled the trigger. And one of the things that we just don't know mm-hmm. is did he do all four or did Hickok do some, yeah. Yeah. And I suspect that Smith maybe did kill all four of them. Mm-hmm. But I also can see Smith being the type of person of, well, if I did one, if I confess to one, I might as well confess to all of them. Right. And and save the other guy. Like, there's mm-hmm. just something about Smith and his character. Yep. Well, he's not a character. He's a real person. Smith and who he is, his personality, mm-hmm. just seems to be somebody that's a little bit more of, um, he, he there's kind of like this right and wrong for him. There's black and there's white. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Hickok just sort of presents as this guy of you operate in the gray and, and yeah. being a swindler and getting what's mine and uh, sort of all those kinds of things. So. They get transported to back to Kansas. Uh, they get put on trial, and what happens from there? There's a guilty verdict. Okay, they're both found guilty in Finney County, Kansas, mm-hmm. and they are both um, sentenced to the death penalty. The death penalty, yeah. Um, and they are on death row for about, I think, four or five years. Yeah. So they so they commit the being... crime in November of 1959. They are, are originally. A, expected to be executed. So this is the other thing I think is a cheesy little thing that stood out to me, but so they commit the crime on Saturday, November 14th into Sunday, November 15th, which would have meant Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. So they are Mm -hmm. sentenced to be executed initially on Friday the 13th Mm -hmm. in May of 1960. Mm -hmm. And as any true crime fan knows anybody that pays attention to uh, somebody that is on death row. It never happens that quickly. Yeah. It never happens six months later. In fact, their execution still probably happened quicker mm-hmm. uh, than what is typical. But um, they appealed to the Kansas Supreme Court. They petitioned the American Civil Civil Liberties Union. You know, they're they're hitting their resources of like how do we prevent this from happening. Mm-hmm. And then they're ultimately executed in April of 1965. Yeah. So, and even as I say that, was there another Friday that was that like April 14th? Like, was that a Saturday? I don't know. I think that to... was like the Saturday into, cause it was the early morning hours that uh-huh. they were executed. Right. So I think it was kind of the same Saturday rolled into Sunday type of deal. Um, but they were, um, at this point in time, the execution was completed through a hanging. Um, and so it was, they were on the same night. Hickok went first and then that sounds so harsh. 
Hickok was first and then Perry yeah. was executed. Yeah. And so it, 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 it's just even interesting as you research some of this stuff and you look at the whole clutter family and, and Hickok and Perry and that sort of thing, because like I sound, I found some uh, resources that'll say that Hickok was killed first because it was a flip of a coin. Mm. And then other resources will say, no, when it comes to executing and who goes first, the state of Kansas goes alphabetically. So Hickok would have come wow. before Smith, which I actually think is the correct answer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, th- so they're, they are, they are executed on the same night. Um, we have talked about the death penalty before and, uh, we will actually get into this in the next episode because I do believe we're going to do te- two, two <laughs> episodes yeah. on this. But um, at that time, we're talking about 1960, April of 1965. Uh, they are two of the last four people to be executed in Kansas. Oh. So they are executed in April of 1965. And then later that year, there are two more people uh, convicted or uh, executed by hanging uh, in 1965. And then there has not been another execution in Kansas since 1965. So Kansas went for a while without the death penalty, and then it was reinstituted in 1994. Mm. And even with it being reinstituted in 1994, there have been no death penalties and uh, it's no longer hanging in Kansas, but it is lethal injection. When did it stop being hanging? So when know? they reinstituted it in 1994, it was lethal. In- it became lethal injection. Gotcha. And I don't. I, I honestly couldn't tell you when. And we can maybe look at this <laughs> and then talk about it in part two of how many years Kansas did not have the death penalty mm-hmm. uh, because that was something that we discussed earlier right. with Richard Grissom of yeah. it did not exist in 1989. And it could have, it could have helped. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so it's, it is one of the things that I find um, interesting is that it is few and far between when you find a non- so when you find just a citizen, so non-law enforcement, when you find a citizen who has been uh, witness to the death penalty mm-hmm. and a uh, completed execution, mm-hmm. it is few and far between where you find people that say they are for that. If they've witnessed it and experienced what happens in those moments, it is few and far between that people are like, yeah, I'm for the death penalty. Most of the time they're like, yeah, I've seen an execution. I'm not for it. Yeah. Do you feel like that's different with officers? Well, I, I think there's, um, I guess the short answer is, is I, is I don't know. Mm. Um, but I think when it comes to somebody in law enforcement witnessing an execution, um, we go to a different place than the average citizen. It's, yeah. it's part of the process. Yeah. It saves, it saves the state money. The person deserved it. Like there's just, um, so my, I, I don't know for sure. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would suspect that law enforcement in general is probably more, 
And, and this includes those people who have seen an execution, which in Kansas, I don't know that there's any of those right. people still like, I mean, we're talking a long time ago. That yeah. I don't know that there's any of those still, still around. Um, but yeah. So um, I think one of the things that, that just to kind of come back to as we, as, as, as we're wrapping up here and we're going to do part two in this, I think mm-hmm. is, just the um uh, again small town in Kansas in the middle of the night a family of four is executed with mm-hmm. a shotgun is just unimaginable and i yeah. still think that's true even today like if this were to happen today it just would be like mm-hmm. i go to bed at night expecting to sleep safely and not have something like this happen. Right. And, um, so I don't know what your thoughts are on this whole situation. If there's anything you want to mention before we go, but, um, I don't think we ever got to this, but where was Richard Hickam from? Richard. Or oh, not Richard. Oh, yeah. so, uh, so I think we're yeah, going to touch Richard. on this. I think we're going to talk about this in, in part oh, two. Part two. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to talk about, cause, cause not, like I said, not that we have a ton of, of connections, but there are just like those little things that like, as you and I, uh, started looking into this, it was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Or that's, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So, uh, we'll talk on that a little bit more, but, um, you know, the community of Holcomb, Kansas, uh, was forever changed by this. Uh, I think anybody that had any kind of connection was changed by this. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, in essence, 1959 America, uh, the average person who paid any attention to this uh, was changed by yeah. it. Yeah. And in particular, what we're going to talk about in in part two is, one, some of the connections that we have about this, and two a book that was written by a guy in New York Mm -hmm. that was impacted by this. He sees it in the newspaper Mm -hmm. and he's like, holy cow, like four people in a small town were killed as they slept at night. Mm -hmm. So nothing else from you? No. Okay. We appreciate you tuning in to uh, episode 12 of Cop and Daughter. And we are going to talk more Uh, about the Clutter family and the tragedy that happened to them in episode three. So until... Episode two. What did I just say? (laughs) Episode Episode 13. Yeah. 13, one, three. Yeah, so I'm old and my brain doesn't work anymore. (laughs) But anyway, in the next episode, episode 13 of Cop and Daughter, we are going to talk more about the Clutter family and what happened to them. And then ultimately we became like a national Mm -hmm. uh, news story, a national sensation. So until next time, I'm Cop. And I'm Daughter. Stay safe. Public to help find him. We should know for you. You may find this footage disturbing.